Do you want to challenge the way that things are being done in your industry? Amazing. You are in exactly the right place. You are my people. Those of us who see issues with the industry that we're in are in a unique position to stand out from the crowd, but also have a huge impact. But it also brings its own unique set of challenges. That's why I created the free self-guided workshop that shows you the pathway to building a sustainable values-aligned business. Spoiler, this workshop is walking you through the five growth stages from rule follower to game changer, which it sounds like is the pathway you're already on. You can go to bit.ly slash no business rules. You'll be able to identify where you are in that process. And from that, you will be able to then see where you should be focusing your energy to have the most impact, make the most traction now and keep yourself moving toward your vision. That's bit.ly slash no business rules. You're listening to Transcend Your Dichotomy the podcast where we break the rules that say we have to leave ourselves behind in pursuit of success. I'm Brooke Monahan, and I created the show for purpose-driven business owners. Together, we'll talk about how to go for your goals, have an impact, all while honoring yourself, your desires, and your values. For the past couple of episodes, we have been talking about marketing, specifically marketing for those of you who want to do things differently, who want to shake things up. And today is no different. Today's guest is Lauren Tilden. I'm really excited to be bringing her on the show. We are going to be talking about how you can create a marketing plan that you actually stick to, how to harness the power of imperfection in your marketing, and how your marketing is often the thing that if you can really embrace it, will allow you to make the biggest impact in your business. Lauren is a marketing coach. She's on a mission to help small business owners do better marketing so that they can make a bigger impact in the world. She's an ex-corporate marketer and the current owner of a retail shop and a watercolor-based paper goods brand, which we talked all about and I found very exciting because I've been painting. You'll hear me talk about it more in this episode. She loves helping small business owners create intentional marketing that drives real results. She's also the host of Making Good, the podcast, and the membership community, Making Good Happen. So if you love what you hear from... Lauren today. There are a couple of places that you can go to find her work, and I'm going to link to everything right in the show notes. She is sharing a 100 content prompt guide, because sometimes the hardest part of marketing is figuring out what to say in the first place. So this is going to give you a whole bunch of content ideas designed to help you connect with your ideal customer. You can also find her podcast, Making it's called the Making Good Podcast. So wherever you're listening to this, I suggest going and searching for that podcast and giving it a listen. And you can also go to makinggoodhappen.co to check out her membership or find her on Instagram at Lauren Tilden. Everything will be linked in the show notes. I hope that you love this episode. If you find this episode particularly resonant, send it over to someone who you know needs to hear it today. We appreciate it so, so much. Hi, Lauren. I am so excited to have you. How are you doing today? Hi, Brooke. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, To get us started, tell us a bit about what you do. And we would also love to know a bit about how you started doing what you do. Yes, my pleasure. These are always fun stories to tell. Um, Okay, so I host the podcast Making Good, and I'm a marketing coach. I have a membership program to help small business owners do better marketing more consistently. And my path to this point has been very windy. I, as, I, as many of us small business owners probably can relate to, 
Um, I started out in corporate America as a marketer and worked there for almost eight years doing marketing and corporate events. I left in 2017 just really from being burned out, not with the plan B lined up, and ended up starting a stationary business called Good Sheila. We sell, it's still open, we sell greeting cards, art prints, vinyl stickers, mostly to stores. So we sell them wholesale um, so that other stores buy them from us and then they sell them to customers. But we do also sell through our website. Um, so I did that for a few years, really started falling in love with being a small business owner. And then as of 2019, I took over my mom's retail store, um, called station seven. Yeah. It's a really, it's in an old fire station that was built in the 1920s. Um, it was retired in 1970 from being a fire station. And so now it's just this beautiful brick building and we sell a lot of locally made handmade gifts. Um, jewelry, personal care, candles, like a lot of just lovely, magical things. Cool. Yeah. So I do run both of those businesses with help. Um, but I, in 2019, early, sorry, early 2020, when the pandemic started, I was really needing something that I was really excited about. It was a really hard time to have a retail store. It still kind of is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I launched my podcast, Making Good, which is really kind of a marriage between my love of small business and my experience in marketing. And small, it's called Making Good because it's for small businesses who want to make a positive impact. And on the podcast, we explore everything from like marketing, mindset, different ways to do good through small business. And um, yeah, that the podcast has just kind of taken on a life of its own and created this whole new this whole new business because I needed another one um, where now I, I do marketing coaching and have a membership community. So yeah, that's a, it's a very long winded intro and I have not found a way to do it in a shorter period, but that's kind of, I mean, I hear this and all I can think about is like the amount of free time that you must have. Cause you have like nothing on your plate. It seems yeah, I just, just like, <laughs> and I have an 18 month old. Um, oh my God. 16 month old sorry jumping ahead he's 16 months old as of two days ago um we just finished a big remodel so life Mm -hmm. has been kind of chaotic but yeah but good like when you love what you do it's hard to give anything up so so I'm not a big human design person however we have a lot of human design listeners (laughs) and they are all diagnosing you right now as a manifesting generator I already know it yeah. And the reason I know it is because they do it to me. Yeah. Are you a manifesting generator too? I am. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. We all knew you were. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Whenever someone has an intro like the one I just gave, I have the same reaction. I'm like, oh, this is a manifesting generator. I'm you hearing you talk about it. And I can literally hear the voices of like four people who I know who are clients of mine who listen to the show who I know if they were in the room right now, they would go, so you're a manifesting generator. Yes. Well, they were right. So good job. I'm manifesting generator with a sacral authority. Go human design. Yes. The accuracy. <laughs> the accuracy. It's wild. Um, I can I have to ask you a question that is completely off base from where this conversation was gonna go. I sent you these questions ahead of time because I like to allow people to be prepared. And here I go mm-hmm. with the very first question being completely love it. Let's off do base. It. Good Sheila is watercolor-based stationery? It's based on watercolor designs, yes. Are you a watercolor artist? I am, yeah. 
Okay. Here's why I ask you this question because I used to do some, I'm a, I'm more of a drawer and Mm -hmm. I used to do some painting when I was a kid and I just signed up for an eight week oil painting course and I'm painting my dog in the old masters tradition oil painting. Yeah. Over eight weeks, which I'm incredibly excited about. And my grandmother was a watercolor artist Mm -hmm. and in the time that I have been in that class it's like every single class someone ends up talking about yeah I took a watercolor class but it is so hard and then I went to somebody's house for dinner the other night and she isn't this incredible artist and the thing that she's really into right now is watercolor and we were talking about like how challenging watercolor is and so this is like off base but I'm just like I just want to hear what you think about watercolor Yeah. Oh, well, it's funny because it's actually not off base. I actually talk a lot about my experience learning watercolor in like a lot of the other stuff I do because it is so, um, it's so challenging in that Mm -hmm. you can't ever really have something in your head and then have that come out because watercolor just has a mind of its own. So Uh I've learned things from like, First of all, I feel like I've learned how to continue doing something even when I'm not like seeing the quality level yet, mm. which is really how you get good at anything is you mm-hmm. are willing to do it when you're not good at it. Mm-hmm. And watercolor really is what taught me that because I did enjoy it, even though I was like, what the hell am I even like? This is not a flower. This does not look like a flower. It's trying to be a flower. It's not a flower. And I actually did a 100 day project where every day for 100 days, I painted something in watercolor and I challenged myself to share it online. There's like a, everyone, there's a art thing. It happens like every March and people share it on Instagram and it's really hard. Cause you're like, you know, I painted something today. I don't like it. I'm not proud of it. And I'm going to share it anyway. And by the end of that 100 day project. So let me back up before I did the 100 day project, my entire good Sheila business was all um, calligraphy. So it was like, mm. like calligraphy quotes and hand lettered sayings and things like that. After the 100 day project, I pretty much switched everything in my business. Since then, I only create new products in watercolor, like the willingness to just do something consistently every day. Yeah. Totally changed like so many things for me and like the entire course of that business at least. So I would say to anyone interested in a hobby that like it's not something you get right away like I took a macrame class this weekend and it's like okay like I know the knot I did it like I'm not Mm -hmm. the best macrame artist but like I can do macrame watercolor Mm -hmm. it's like you have to show up a little bit more in the hard parts Mm -hmm. um but it's amazing like if you are willing to just show up every day for it doesn't have to be 100 days even 30 days like day one to day 30 you would be absolutely astonished at how different it is so yeah yeah Yeah, it's funny I think about that when I'm drawing all the time where I'm like it is it's funny when you were like it's not off base because I know exactly what you mean because I'll be drawing and I'll be thinking to myself like wow this looks like absolute garbage and I also know that if I sit here long enough and I just keep going and I make the adjustments I need to make it's literally about my willingness to do that whether or not this is going to go where I want it to or not and if it doesn't it's totally fine but also like it's not like, yeah, I just think about that all the time where I'm like, wow, this is shit. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. right, but like, 
if you just keep going and you just go through it, you know, and you just like keep practicing, um, then, you know, that's all that it takes. And so I'm always thinking about that, like, uh, that connection between that and like business. And, and I also feel like to fill people in who are listening, who maybe don't know anything about watercolor, Mm-hmm. Lauren, f- jump in when I inevitably no. screw this up because I don't know anything about watercolor except for the fact that my grandmother used to try to get me to do it all the time when I was a kid. I did a lot of it when I was a kid, but like, you know, like not in any serious capacity. But like if you're painting with like, say, oil paint or like acrylic paint even, you can mm-hmm. kind of like if you mess something up, you can just go back in and paint over it. Mm-hmm. Or like you can go in with white and like put white down, right? But like watercolor, yeah. it's like, White happens by not painting the spot. And once you put the color on it, right, it kind of, first of all, it kind of spreads out. Like it has a little bit of a mind of its own and the colors kind of like blend. Like you can't, like once the color is down, you can't take it back. For the most part. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) yes, like there are people who use white watercolor. It's not really traditional like traditionally the way that you lighten your paint is by just adding water to it and then it becomes a lighter shade um but yeah it's definitely not like I know if I don't I've never done oil really but like acrylic painting you just paint over it if you don't if you want a fresh start like just kind of cover the part you don't like and that's not really a thing with watercolor which I think in a way has challenged me to be like it doesn't have to be perfect to be valuable or useful yeah. I used to do a lot of client work and like I would not like something about it. So in the beginning I would redo like custom projects. You want to start me. over. I would I would start over like entirely yeah. from scratch and spend another eight hours on something that like I was not charging enough for that. Yeah. Um, And then like I don't know I just that did not become sustainable to keep doing that. So right. it challenged me to like be willing to put things out there that I thought were imperfect but like other people would look at and be like, this is amazing. Like, I love this, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't agree with that. Like they, they would not agree with the things that I thought were imperfect about it. They thought mm. you know, that was good to them. So, um, yeah, I've learned so much from watercolor actually. I love that. That's where we started here. <laughs> me too. Okay. Me too. Um, so, okay. So now I'm going to steer us in the direction of where we planned to go with this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, because you are a, amongst many other things, as we have learned a marketing coach and Mm -hmm. specifically a marketing coach for people who like want to have an impact, right. And contribute to something good. And so many listeners of this show are all about having an impact and contributing to something good and fucking hate marketing. So what do you want those people to know? Let's just start there because I feel like you have a thing or two to say to those people. I have a lot to say to those people. And I would say, first of all, I mean, you know this because you just grouped them as a group, but there are a lot of people that feel that way. So Mm -hmm. if you are there, that is not unusual at all. Um, But I would just like offer the reframe that, Marketing is actually a really powerful way of doing good. Marketing is a way of enabling yourself to make a bigger impact than you otherwise would. Um, One thing I like to think about with marketing, like as a starting point, is always intention. So what am I actually trying to achieve with the marketing that I'm doing? And you can use marketing to 
communicate really anything. You can use marketing to advocate for things that you care about. You can use marketing to help you grow your revenue so you can give back more if that's part of your business. You can use marketing to help expand your audience um, so that you can offer your service or your products to more people who would like genuinely be benefiting from them. So I view marketing as really kind of like the gasoline on your business. And Mm. if your business is already like moving in the trajectory of making a positive impact to me, marketing has the power to just expand that really like exponentially. So, um, and I think a lot of what people don't like about marketing is that it's scary. If if they really peel back the layers, it's scary to put something on the internet and say like, here's this thing I made and like poured my heart and soul into like, do you like it? Do you want to buy it? It's very vulnerable to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as a small business owner when like it really is your heart and soul that's in it. It's not mm-hmm. someone else's business. And so I just like to acknowledge that like marketing is very scary. It takes a lot of courage, but ultimately the choice is like, to me, the choice is do the marketing, which enables you to make the impact you want to make or not do the marketing, which is probably going to have you reach less people. Like that's the way I look at it. Um, I'm sure there are businesses who don't have to do marketing and just for whatever circumstantial reason that is fine for them but for the most part the more intentional strategic marketing you do the bigger results and impact you'll see and that that's a big deal to me so (laughs) yeah and also like even for those businesses that are not doing like quote-unquote marketing they're doing some form of marketing it just might not be what we have labeled as like marketing. You know, I have clients who get a lot of their their clients through referrals. Mm-hmm. And I tell them all the time, like, referral marketing is a marketing strategy. Like yeah. that is, you know, that is still marketing. Like building connections with people and building relationships, like that is part of a effective marketing strategy, I think. Um, And so I am always kind of stretching people to look at it a little bit differently and like reframe it for them that like, you are marketing, it might just be a matter of finding the kind of marketing that you actually enjoy doing instead of deciding that marketing means five Instagram posts a week and a newsletter. And that's marketing and Facebook ads or something like that. And it's like, 100%. Yeah, I think that's another misconception a lot of people have about marketing is that what they see other people doing is social media. So we tend to say like social media, that's what marketing is for a small business. Mm -hmm. That is one tiny way of reaching new people. That's not even as good as a lot of other ways of reaching new people. And like, it's a pretty good way of developing relationships, but there are Mm -hmm. other ways of developing relationships. So there are businesses who don't use social media at all. Um, I think it, like I said, it comes back to like intention. So if, for example, you're talking about clients you have who all they use is all they use a big thing that they use for their marketing that they might even not think about. They may not even think about as marketing is referrals. Mm -hmm. I think it's about like thinking about what do I want my marketing to achieve for me? Mm -hmm. If it's, I want it to achieve more clients. Then one concept I think about a lot is to double down on what's already working. Mm-hmm. And if, if your 
if these fictional people that we're talking about referrals are what really drives new clients for them, then I would suggest that they apply some attention to that and say, how can we intentionally generate even more referrals? Like we're already getting these referrals without even being that intentional about it. But what can Uh we do to, since we know when someone refers their friends, like that generates new business for us, how can we make that happen even more? And it could be just asking for referrals. It could be having testimonials and social proof illustrated more visibly on your website and your marketing. It could, you know, there's all kinds of things. It could be providing materials that help people refer you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really like to think of marketing as like a from scratch, like throw away everything you think marketing it is. Yes. And instead ask yourself what you want to happen in your business yep. and then get really creative about what tools you have that can help you do that. And it could yes. be social media. It could, I mean, I hope it's email because I personally am a big fan of email marketing. So I hope I that's too. included. Um, it could be long form content like a podcast or a blog. It could be pitching yourself to be on podcasts or in PR, but it really depends on what you want to achieve. And yeah, you know, marketing can do a million things for you. So it's yeah, got to get intentional. Yeah. And I think in addition to like one of the things that I love about this idea of coming back to intention is that anyone who's listened to me, to my podcast, which people are listening, hi, uh, like they've heard me talk about vision like a bajillion and a half times because I'm always like, you have to start by like knowing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that having an intention is in that way, like it's like knowing what you're trying to do is obviously the crucial first step to coming up with any sort of like strategy or plan for how you're going to do that. But the other thing that I love so much about this is that I think that's a really great way to like tie it back to what actually motivates you. Mm -hmm. Because if you're thinking like, oh, my intention is to get, you know, X number of people into like a program or something. And you know that like that program is going to do like amazing things for those people. Or you're thinking like my intention is to get, you know, this product in the hands of like however many people like that is so much more motivating than for me anyways, than like any number, like any KPI on like Instagram or something like Mm -hmm. that, which by the way, doesn't even mean that you're making money off of it, but it's also more, more motivating than the money. You know what I mean? It's like when you think Mm -hmm. about the actual people And so I love that too. I feel like that is a really effective way to like tie it back to what actually motivates you. Yeah. And I also feel like it helps with the courage part when you're Mm. really tied into why you're doing it and what impacts you know your product or service can make. It's easier to, it's like you're thinking less about yourself when you're doing Mm -hmm. your marketing and you're thinking more about, okay, I want to communicate what I have to offer because if someone gets it, like this is what can happen for them, you know, XYZ transformation or, you know, their skin will clear up if it's a skincare, you know, whatever the outcome is. Yeah. If you're really, and I know I get the sense that your listeners probably are people who are like really heart centered and like, you know, they're not just in it to make money. So no, they would very- be listening to a different podcast. I think they would have gotten <laughs> sick of me so long ago. Yeah. Same. <laughs> the same with my podcast. Um, so if, if that's true, then yeah, it's, yeah, it's, they care about a lot more than just the bottom line. And 
for many of us, what we care most about is like, what is the outcome when someone uses our product or our service? Right. And so when you really like drill down on that and talk about that in your marketing and um, just keep that centered, it's the courage part gets a little easier. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like when you have the confidence that Mm -hmm. you're going to have an impact by doing it and it's not just about oh my gosh, I'm going to put up this reel and what are people going to think? I tell people all the time, like if you're thinking about like your like random like uncle on Facebook or like some person that you knew from high school, like however long ago judging your shit, then like you're thinking about the wrong person when you put out the marketing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so what you're saying is like bring your focus back to like the person and what is going to happen for that person when they end up in your orbit and use your product or service or whatever. And I think that what you just said, like, thinking about random uncle or person from high school, that is like a universal experience. Oh, totally. There will be these like random people that you have no idea why you have them in your head. Like I have like maybe five or 10 people that will come into my head and I'm like, these are not like, like I don't know where these people came from as the people that I'm worried are going to judge me. Uh But I, this is not a unique experience. Pretty much everyone I think has this. And yeah, it is just a matter of like, Do I, like, if you make it a binary choice of Mm -hmm. I can not do the thing because I don't want random person from high school to Mm -hmm. have a feeling about it, or I can do the thing and they might have a feeling about it, but, like, this world of possibility is here. Yep. To me, when I make it, like, a very this or that decision, it's like, okay, like, I'm willing for this person to have feelings about it and whatever it is. Totally. Okay, so now that we've got an hour people to buy in on why they have to do marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say one more thing about that. Yeah. Um, marketing, it looks different for everyone, you know? Totally. One of sort of the first step that I recommend people go through when it comes to making a marketing plan is getting really clear about your bandwidth or the resources mm. and time and effort that you actually have or want to spend on marketing and mm-hmm. starting there. So maybe it's two hours a week. Maybe it's Mm. five. I love marketing, so it's more than that for me. But, like, if you get clear on what the limitations are, you can build Mm -hmm. a plan that, you know, prioritizes what's most important and fits it within those two hours. And then, you know, because, yeah, if you really don't love it and you can't find anything in marketing that you love, maybe it's not a huge part of your business, but I do think it has some role. Yeah. 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 I have so, I have so many things to say about that. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, if you really can't get yourself to a place where you can find, if you hate marketing, blanket hate marketing, mm-hmm. and it's not just that you hate certain types of marketing, I venture to guess there's something deeper going on, but yeah. that's like a, you know, that's, yeah. we could, I could derail this entire conversation to a conversation that it's not cause we're here to talk about the marketing, <laughs> but like there's something going on there, you know, like there's a, there's something. And, and I think that you touched on it earlier when you were saying like, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, visibility, like visibility is scary. Visibility is really challenging for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's totally valid. So it's not a judgment, but it's just like, mm-hmm you know, focusing on the thing that is the real issue and not yeah, vilifying all marketing. 
<laughs> yeah, because if you break it down, like what marketing really is, is like building relationships with people who right. might buy from you. So right. if you peel away like all of the things that you think marketing is, it's not actually, I don't know, it's not smarmy, it's not sleazy. It can be like when mm-hmm. shady tactics are employed, which are mm-hmm. employed by many people, especially in the mm-hmm. online business world. So like, I never encourage people to, for example, like identify people's pain points and then agitate them. Like mm-hmm. that's a really common thing that you'll hear, yeah. hear marketers tell you to do is agitate the pain points, pour salt in the wound, and yeah. then tell people that the solution is your product. And like, that's not ethical and not all marketing is like that. And I don't like, I don't do marketing like that and you don't mm-hmm. have to either. And I know right. what doesn't either. So right. I think it could be some of like just misconceptions about what marketing is. Um, So when it comes down to it, it's just like, how are you communicating? How are you building relationships? How are you building trust and adding value? And Mm -hmm. eventually that usually results in people converting if they're a good fit. So. Yeah. And everyone listening, Lauren wants you doing that with people that you actually like working with. Totally. You know, that's another thing that I think happens is people are like, Ugh. And I'm like, but who are you thinking about building relationships right now? Because the second that I put that I ask you to think about the per- your like dream client, suddenly you're mm-hmm. all lit up, yeah. you know. So like, Lauren wants you doing this with people you actually like. She's not mm-hmm. asking you to get out there and start doing the like, I don't yeah. know, like trying to convince everyone. That's not what it's about. Yeah, we're not selling um, cars. Yeah. So. So how did people then? Because this is the other issue that a lot of people who listen to the show have Mm -hmm. is taking in lots of information, but then not actually like executing or sticking with things. So Mm -hmm. I would venture a guess that a lot of people who are listening to this right now have probably taken marketing courses. Mm -hmm. They've probably, they probably have their top people who they follow on social media, who they go to. And Lauren, Lauren is going to be your new one of your new top people who you go to for (laughs) marketing advice but who they go to for marketing advice, right? So they kind of know some of the things that they quote should be doing, but they are not actually like consistently kind of like sticking with it. So where should people start when it comes to creating a marketing plan that they can actually stick to? Such a great question. Um, And I agree. This is kind of it. Like you can spend your whole life taking in, like consuming information about what kind of marketing you should be doing or how to make a plan or what should be on your plan, how many times you should post, how many emails you should send, like all of these Mm -hmm. kind of like tactical and like platform based Mm -hmm. um, advice, pieces of advice Mm -hmm. are very loud. But Mm -hmm. what is much more important is that you make a plan that is feasible and that, like I said, works with your schedule and your life. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to think about it, and this is, like, people kind of have an interesting reaction when they hear me say this the first time, but, like, I would suggest you set a very low bar for yourself, Mm -hmm. and this is one of the keys, I think, to actually succeeding with consistency. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to tell what I call the tale of two to-do lists, which is, let's talk about to-do list with person A and person B. So mm-hmm. person A starts the day. She makes a to-do list for what she has to work on that day. She puts three things on the list mm-hmm. be- and she knows she has limited time. So she puts the most important three things by the end of the day. She crosses all three things off her list. Maybe she even has a little extra time. 
So she finds, you know, pulls something else out to work on. But she ends the day feeling like really accomplished and motivated, mm-hmm. excited, like ready for the next day. Person B makes a to-do list that has 25 things on it because uh-huh. that's what most of us do when we make to-do lists. Inevitably, she gets through the same three tasks or maybe <laughs> maybe just three tasks, but like not the three most important ones, yep. crosses them off, ends the day feeling like so discouraged, unmotivated, like wants to give up kind of energy. And yep. like which of these people is more likely to show up again the next day and do it? It's the person who set a low bar, at least when it comes to like tasks. So yes. When I think about making a marketing plan, I encourage people to start, like, start so doable that you're, like, sure you can do it. And I like to do it monthly. So next month, if you did it, like, add something. But um, I'd say the first step is really, like, just be really realistic about the time you have. And even if you think it'd be better to do more, like, it's always better to do more. Like, all of us could be doing more marketing, but we have limits, you know, and mm-hmm. the best, most effective marketing is going to be the marketing that you consistently execute. Mm-hmm. So that would be step one is to make it feasible. Um, I think the other benefit of giving yourself limits is you can prioritize the most important things. So mm-hmm. if I said, you know, if I say, okay, well, so-and-so expert online told me I should post four reels a week and send two emails and post a podcast and a YouTube video. And like, I come up with this huge list of things that I think I should be doing. But in reality, I have five hours a week to work on marketing. Not all of that's going to happen. And there's no Mm -hmm. guarantee that what I actually spend my five hours on is going to be the most important, most needle moving things if I've like overcommitted so much. So Mm -hmm. if I know I have five hours and I say, well, I know my clients come from referrals and, um, you know, one-on-one conversations in the DMS on Instagram, those would be front and center in your marketing plan. You'd say, okay, I'm going to spend like two hours, two hours on this, two hours on this and one hour on Instagram posts, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, for many reasons, being clear on your bandwidth helps you make a plan and see results from it. The second thing I would say in terms of like the actually sticking to it part is accountability. Mm. Accountability is the secret sauce, in my opinion, when it comes to actually doing the things that you say you're going to do. I like to use accountability in three ways. So I use accountability with my audience online So for example, I talk all the time about the fact that my podcast comes out on Tuesdays. Mm. I at this point have people asking me if it's not out first thing in the morning and just knowing that they're waiting for it. I'm like, okay, like that's a priority because I'm not going to get away with it if I don't do it. Right. Yeah. So I, because I'm always saying my podcast comes out on Tuesday, it's Tuesday. Here's your podcast. Like that has created so much accountability for me that like the podcast happens every Tuesday. Um, I do it on social media too. Oftentimes I'll at the beginning of the day be like, Hey, this is what I'm working on today, which has the dual effect of like behind the scenes content of like, this is what Mm -hmm. people love a little peek behind the curtains. Um, but it also holds me accountable because I'm like, well, I told everyone I was going to do these things. Now I have to do them. Um, I also use accountability with my like clients slash customers. So you can set expectations. Like for example, you placed an order, you can expect to receive it in X amount of days, like have that Mm -hmm. as part of your 
email sequences or um, set yourself deadlines with your clients. And if they know that they're waiting for it on a certain day, my guess is you're going to be a lot more likely to get it to them on that day. Uh-huh. And the third way is with peers. So, um, you know, I masterminds, small business coaching programs, group programs, just, even just like a one-on-one accountability buddy. But uh-huh. anyone who you can say this is what is really important to me right now. This is the date I'm going to have it done by and like have something set up so that you're going to be held accountable to that. Whether it's like a meeting once a week or, you know, you text in by, you check in by text or whatever it is. Accountability is magic. It really is. So Mm. those would be my two biggest things is make it feasible. Don't bite off more than you can chew, especially in the beginning. And then um, keep yourself accountable in as many ways as you can. Amazing. Amazing. You heard it here, everybody. So now I have two things that I'm going to add because I know my listeners. Yay. The first thing is if you're listening to Lauren and you then take Lauren's advice and you go and you create your marketing plan and you keep it simple and then that little voice comes up in your head and it's like, that's not enough. You should be doing more. That Mm -hmm. is your fucking work, everyone, Mm -hmm. is to not keep letting that voice run the show. Mm-hmm. Because like so many people who listen to the show, you know, are people who want a little bit more freedom. They want a little bit more space. They want a little bit more breathing room. They want things to feel sustainable. Mm-hmm. The voice that's saying that's not enough, you should be doing more is not the voice that's ever going to be running a sustainable business. So yeah, number one, let me just jump in tiny little thing. Go to the people who s- still object to this. Yes. I would say if you get through everything on your list of simple, easy things. Yes. You have permission to do more. You don't have to stop yourself. But it's really just a way of prioritizing. Like these are the things that I know matter the most. And these Mm -hmm. are the things I'm for sure going to get done. And like beyond that, if you end up with extra time, I bet you won't. But if you do, you can do extra stuff. So there's no – and like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yes. I love that you said that because there are some people who need permission to do the things when they're motivated to do them for sure. Yeah. And also I have a client right now who, um, they have a strategy that they've been using that has worked so well for them, which is there's like one particular thing that they have to do in their business. It's it's not, it's for their type of business. It's just, they can't get around it. They have to do it. It happens Mm -hmm. on Mondays. It takes some time. They hate it. And so what they tell themselves is, I only need to get 15 minutes of it done today. Mm -hmm. And inevitably they sit down to do the 15 minutes of it. And then they realize it's not that bad. And then they just knock the whole thing out. Yeah. And so, you know, like you can do more. Thank you, Lauren, for the reminder. Um, But the that's not enough voice is not your friend. So at some point we've got to stop letting it like run the show. The other thing that I want to say is if you're listening to this, because Lauren has a membership where I'm sure there's accountability. I have a group program where there's accountability. But if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, but I can't like invest in a program right now or something like that, you can make your own mastermind. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I belong to, a, I, I have a coach, but I also have a mastermind uh, and it's just people that I was just like, hey, do you want to be in a mastermind? And we just do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it doesn't need to be like depending at the phase that you're at, like some of the people who listen to the show I know are in the very beginning and maybe you're not at that point yet. Maybe you're going to invest in Lauren's membership next year or something like that. But for right now, you're like not in that place. Mm-hmm. Get 
just people around you for accountability. It doesn't need to be a program necessarily, though programs are great. Yeah. I'm having some accountability right now with my partner where just because we have a 16 month old and like life is nuts with childcare and like I work really weird hours. So I work yeah. in the morning and then I work usually after dinner late at night. Uh-huh. Um, so she hurt my accountability with my partner right now is she calls me from upstairs at like 10, 15 every day and uh-huh. is like, it's time to come up. And it's like, you can get accountability anywhere. Like it can be your yeah. partner. It can be your mom. It can be whatever it is. Like for some people, it's like their pet, like their pet needs to be walked. And so mm-hmm. that's their accountability is like, you know, they need to go out on a walk for their dog's sake, not just theirs. But right. I think the point is like we, for better or for worse, and I, maybe I just speak for myself, like I will often let myself down if I'm the only person involved. Mm-hmm. I don't love that about myself, but I know it about myself right now. Mm-hmm. So my workaround for that is just involving other people. It doesn't have to be a fancy mm-hmm. program or there's no like there's no official way to do this. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of having other people who know about your deadlines and are involved. Right. Right. Excellent. Okay, my next question for you, because everyone's everyone's wondering it. For the people who are like, but I've tried, I've tried all of the marketing things. I've done everything I'm supposed to do and it hasn't worked. I'm sorry, everybody. I don't mean to say this in a whiny voice. I don't mean it Mm -hmm. that way. I love you all so much. And it is a struggle. I've Mm -hmm. been there. Trust me. Where do you think that people should start um, if they haven't really gotten traction with some of their marketing efforts, like to kind of do like a bit of an audit and see what needs to change? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you asked that this question that way because I think that's exactly what you do is kind of do a back to basics, like refresh, basically, like start from scratch a little bit rather, mm-hmm. rather than just say, okay, now I'm getting on TikTok because Instagram isn't working or not, you know, don't make mm-hmm. the like hasty, shiny object um, jump. Like mm-hmm. if you have this sense that what you're doing is not working, I would encourage you to like take a breath back up maybe let yourself have some time off like if you can you're Um, talking my language now yeah I mean (laughs) I say this as someone who doesn't do it very well herself well of course we give the advice we need right (laughs) yeah um but I think there are three things that I would encourage you to get really clear on one is like who is your ideal customer and Mm -hmm. not on a surface level. Like, Mm -hmm. how can you get to know them as well as you know your best friend? I am not as interested in, like, demographics as Mm -hmm. I am. Like, what do they care about? What keeps them up at night? What, you know, what are they passionate about? What what are their attitudes, beliefs, interests? Um, You know, all of those kind of, like, deeper emotional level things that you can know Mm -hmm. about someone. You want to know those as best as you can about your ideal customer. Um, The second thing is you want to be really clear on what you actually have to offer. So like sometimes we're actually not clear on that. We think we are, but like getting super clear on what you sell, what is unique about it, how it's different from other things in the market. What is the transformation that you offer or the like what's, if someone comes to you at a point A, what is the point B you're bringing them Mm -hmm. to? Um, I think getting super, super clear on that is really powerful. And then 
I think it's really kind of a combination of those two things is mm-hmm. how you kind of start from scratch to build a new approach to marketing. Um, I always want to meet my ideal customers where they are. So mm-hmm. part of that work you're going to be doing with getting to know your ideal customer is like, what are their habits when it comes to social media? Maybe they're not mm-hmm. using the platform that you're on. Like, for example, I think a lot of if your potential client is like a burnt out corporate America person, maybe LinkedIn, which is one mm-hmm. that not a lot of us talk about. I don't really use for my business because it's not super relevant to my ideal customer, but it will be for some or, yep. you know, there's just going to be implications like once you get to know that person better and better, you're going to have more information about where to meet them. Um, yeah. I think the other thing is to kind of ask yourself like, okay, what does not working mean? Like, am I not getting, is my audience not growing? Am I, and I think that's a problem because I have X number of Instagram followers and yet I'm making money. So like maybe it is working. Um, right. Like what is not working? If it's like in marketing speak, we'd call this like, where's the hole in the funnel? Are you Mm -hmm. having problems getting people to come into your world at all? So if so, that's maybe you'd think about new ways to get in front of new people. Mm -hmm. If you're having trouble, like you find that you can get in front of a lot of new people, but you're not really able to build any kind of relationships with them. Maybe you Mm -hmm. start thinking about, you know, different ways of nurturing relationships, whether it's in different kind of content you create. Um, I think for example, podcasting, is a really great platform for relationship building because it's the voice, which is such a personal thing. And it's, it's a way more intimate way of relating to someone, in my opinion, than like mm-hmm. reading an Instagram caption. Um, and if you're having trouble with like the conversion of, of, okay, we got the people in our world, we started to build a relationship with them, but for some reason they don't seem to be buying then it could be, you know, we start to think about like, am I actually offering something that people want to buy? Or is the way that I mess like, is, am I messaging in a way that connects with people? Um, but I think it's, it's really hard to just, I don't know. I think it's important to understand what you're, what you're experiencing when you say my marketing isn't working. Totally. I am so with you. It's like the awareness piece first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'm like going back and forth in my head because I'm like, do I ask this next question now or do I dig deeper into this? Because I feel like they're, I feel like they are related, but when it comes to marketing um, or I guess even small business in general, give us your, your thoughts on the power of imperfectionism, because this is something that I know you talk about. We talked about it a bit with the watercolor stuff. I am hearing you talk about like this. I'm hearing you give your advice on auditing the marketing plan. And I am getting so many connections back to our watercolor conversation Mm -hmm. um, in my own head. But I want to just hear from you about the power of imperfectionism first. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um. I don't even know where to start. I think this has probably been. I know like, it could be a whole podcast episode in itself. It and it has been like many for me. It's like <laughs> it, it's like probably the biggest thing that I've had to overcome mm-hmm. in terms of like personal growth is the feeling that something or someone, and really I only apply this to myself, but the feeling that I only have something to offer if it's perfect. Yep. I have found to be 
such a limitation. Um, I remember applying for jobs like first when, when I first graduated from college and in that, you know, classic interview question, everyone gives you like, what are your strengths and weaknesses? I thought like it was actually a pretty smart answer to say that one of your weaknesses was that you were a perfectionist because it was <laughs> like, oh, but like everyone wants a perfectionist to work for them because then you get perfect things. Mm-hmm. No, then you don't get things happening because, <laughs> you know, the person is too hung up on getting it right and yeah. being f- afraid of failing that they're just not doing things and not taking action. Yeah. To me, like what I've noticed has always made the biggest impact on my business is when I simply take action without feeling Mm -hmm. like I have to be confident first or I have to be good at it first. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the absolute opposite of perfectionism. Perfectionism is, is everything has to be just so, and then I'll take action. Um, so to me, imperfectionism is about being willing to put things out into the world and understanding that they can still be valuable Mm-hmm. even if there's a typo in them, even if you don't like the way it showed, like you've made a Canva thing and it's not perfect, quote unquote, perfect in your head. Um, you know, I think the best way to get better at something is to be willing to do it imperfectly. So ironically, the only way to get closer to quote unquote, perfect is to do it imperfectly. Yes. Um, There's a study that was written about in the book Atomic Habits by James Mm -hmm. Clear, um, which I recommend for anyone who hasn't read it. It's really fantastic. And it's based on like studies and science, which I am really into. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a study he talks about with a photography, college photography class. And the professor did like an A-B test, essentially, where he had two to split the class in half. Half of the people in the class were asked to take a photograph every single day. And they would be graded on like the average of all of them, I think, mm-hmm. something like that. The other class, there was they didn't have to turn in anything except one photo on the last day of class. So they could spend, mm-hmm. you know, they just had to perfect this one photo. And what happened is the people who took the photo every single day got way better at photography, even though like they were taking a lot of really shitty photos in the beginning. Yeah. Because they just did it over and over again and like yep. built the muscle memory and put the reps in. Whereas the people who just had to turn in that one perfect photo, like they got to spend a semester composing it, like finding the perfect, you know, every quote unquote perfect thing. They ultimately like their work was not as good because they just hadn't put the reps in. So right, I think to me, that's the main thing when I think about imperfectionism is like, I want to see big results. I want to accomplish a lot. I want to um, make a big impact. And what I've seen is that like that's on the other side of perfectionism. It's like the opposite end of the spectrum from perfectionism. Totally. Totally. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on this too, because as you were talking about the, um, you know, when your marketing isn't working and I was thinking about like watercoloring, right. Mm -hmm. I'm like thinking like, like it's this thing where it's like, you can either keep taking in information about marketing, hoping that you're going to, someone's going to reveal some magical secret to you. That's going to suddenly make things easy and work. Mm -hmm. Or you can just take the stuff that you already know and just keep doing it and get used to the fact that like, 
most things that you try are not going to work the way that you want them to. I mean, at least for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like most of the things that I try are like, I mean, even now, honestly, like most of the things that I do, I would say that the way that I get results is by just doing things consistently. It's not that I only need to, you know, only need to show up and market myself every now and then. People might think that because I do that on Instagram now because I'm not on Instagram that much, but I am marketing myself in other ways, Mm -hmm. right? But it's about like doing that consistently. It's not about like getting on the one big podcast or, you know, like sending the one email with the perfect subject line so everyone opens it and then everyone wants to buy it because you have a perfect sales page. It's Mm -hmm. more about like applying the information and and getting better at it. And I was thinking like, it's like, you can either like keep watching YouTube videos about like how to do watercolor, or you can just start painting some fucking watercolor. And I guarantee you that even after like, even if you keep watching YouTube videos, you're going to suck at it the first time. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like you just are. Yeah. I think we can obviously learn things from other people, but totally. I think a lot of us spend way too much time in consumption mode and not Mm -hmm. enough time in create mode. Mm -hmm. So when I notice myself like going on a rabbit hole of YouTube videos or like Googling like, oh, how do I do this? Like usually that's, I've started to notice and like it's a process, but usually for me, that's a sign that like I am scared about something. Like I don't think I'm up to it or like I don't think I'm good enough yet or like almost all of the time I can get the answers I need from myself um, by just getting quiet, asking myself a question and waiting to hear the answer. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I need to like check in like, Oh, how do I do this one thing? But if I'm in like a rabbit hole to me, that's like a signal that I need to step back and like just really redirect into create things and not consuming. So totally. That's a hard one. And I think that's that's something a lot of us fall into is like, if I just research enough, then I'll have it figured out. But no, the only, well, you might have it figured out, but just because I know how to watercolor doesn't mean I'm, I have a skill. Like the skill is developed right. through repetition, not right. through research. So, and the same is true with anything in marketing, copywriting, writing subject lines, writing Instagram posts, creating reels, like whatever it is. You can Google all day long, watch YouTube all day long, take all the courses you want, but what makes you better at those things is doing them. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Agreed. <laughs> um, agreed. Lauren, where can people find you if they heard this conversation and are like, all right, I I need to get in Lauren's world. Where should they go? Yeah. I think the best place would be the podcast. It's called Making Good. You can find it anywhere that you like to listen to your podcasts. Um, I'm on Instagram at Lauren Tilden, L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N. And just to like maybe give you one less excuse for doing some marketing, I have a free workbook that gives you 100 prompts of like, oh, you need to sit down and create a piece of marketing use one of these prompts and they're all, they're all good. And they're all, um, it's not like a copy paste, like shitty template. It's like a prompt that asks you to think about something that's going to be relevant and like write about it. So if you're interested in that, you can find it at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. This has been super fun. 
Yeah, it really has. I appreciate you joining us. And um, for everybody listening, I'll put Lauren's links in the show notes so you can pop down there too uh, to, to find her. And this was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. If you love today's episode, you are going to want to connect more with Lauren and you can do that right in the show notes. You'll find the link to the 100 content prompts guide. You will find the link to learn more about her membership. And you can also take the free self-guided workshop that I shared about at the top of this episode. I appreciate your support so much. Thanks for listening. Transcend Your Dichotomy is a production of Passion and Process Collaborative, LLC. The show is produced by me, Brooke Monahan, with production and marketing support from Alex Henderson. If you want to support me in the show, the best way to do that is to leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts and share the show with someone who you know needs to hear it. For free trainings, my weekly newsletter, or to join us in the Rule Breakers crew, go to brooke-monahan.com. That's M-O-N-A-G-H-A-N. Love y'all. See you next week.